0: From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 IFM.
1: Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human, and my topic today is spread courage, not fear. The guest that I have today is myself. I'll be simply talking to you you. I'm hoping you'll find it interesting. And I have next to me, fortunately, Craig and Vusi in the other room. Um, The Buddha said no one saves us but ourselves No one can and no one may We alone can walk our path So who are we? We were certainly never promised this easy life that we just sailed through But many of us play down our strengths Why? Why do we do it? You know, everyone is faced with challenges, however, however, everyone at some time or other has to face fear, step into it in order to move through it, or to remain stuck in the darkness of it. Eleanor Roosevelt said, it is better to light a candle than curse the darkness. Do you know it 's amazing that whenever I think of doing a particular program, things uh, suddenly happen that I notice that i wouldn 't have noticed before and Yesterday, I was at one of the spa shops doing some grocery shopping when um, I happened to be talking to someone and she had a little baby in in one of those little carry chairs on the on the trolley and a man with rather a loud voice with a rather loud voice should I say came up. And uh, boomingly said, hello, he obviously knew the person I was talking to. Now, the little baby sitting in this carriage chair turned its head away very quickly. And he was saying hello to the baby as well. And this little baby turned its head away, as babies often do, thinking that if they can't see you, you can't see them. And it made me realize that actually fear is something that we are Born with as well And it is something that's, that does keep us safe So we have to acknowledge our fear often But you know Another quote by Eleanor Roosevelt was You gain strength, courage and confidence By every experience in which you really stop To look fear in the face You are able to then say I lived through this horror I can take the next thing that comes along and if you think of going back to a little baby and thinking of a toddler, trying to walk, falling down, getting up, hurting itself, crying, then sitting for a little while, then getting up and walking again—I mean, it's 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 fantastic to actually see. And um, you know, uh, my friend Les, hello Les. I, th- I hope you're listening. You and Judy in Australia. You sent this through to me by Nelson Mandela. I learnt that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. Lately, I've heard a lot of people saying to me they are very, very nervous and scared of going into a shiver house, especially when there has been a tragic loss. And that is a fear that uh, most people do feel. And I have had people saying to me, yes, it's all right, you you can handle it. That's not true. Of course, I have my own great fears over many things. But, you know, it is what Nelson Mandela says, that it's not the absence of fear, but it is actually going in, even when we feel that we can't. Rabbi Afton uh, wrote an article for Chabad.org about telling our stories about our histories, our childhoods, to our children and our grandchildren. He suggests we tell them what Jewish life was like when we were young and about being human. He mentioned, and it's quite true, that our children and grandchildren are teaching us so much now in this time of social media and And it is time that we actually, that they knew our stories also, and that we have a duty to share our stories with them, and if possible, to write them down. Well, I must admit, I can't tell you any stories about being Jewish when I was young, but I can certainly tell you many stories of being human. In my life, I have had many incredible role models who have taught me about courage, about facing fear head-on and choosing to move forward regardless most of them have come from my family and my extended family but my friends share their wisdom with me daily when i was in primary school we lived in brennigan and in 1960 the sharpville massacre took place i can clearly remember our school being evacuated And while waiting for someone to take me home, I remember fighter jets making a huge noise as they flew overhead, followed by helicopters circling above us. None of us knew what was happening or what to expect. But there was this sense of fear and absolute panic as the teachers tried to contact people to collect the pupils. Remember, there were no cell phones then. We lived about a block from the school, and our domestic worker, my beloved Selina, came to fetch me. She hurried me home. She was terrified, and her fear was contagious. She said we had to stay indoors with all the windows and the doors locked. We huddled in the passage. No, there were no fences in those days, so she couldn't say lock the gate. She locked all the doors, she closed all the windows, and we huddled in the passage. I asked what was going on, and she told me that the world had gone mad and that the police were shooting everyone. I asked her where my mother was in all this madness. And she told me that my mom had gone to see if her patients were injured or alive. At this news, I knew real terror as I faced every young child's fear that something terrible would happen to my mom or my dad. Selina and I remained huddled in the passage with her holding me on her lap, crying and praying until my father arrived home. Needless to say, the first thing I asked him was where my mom was and he calmly told me she had work to do. I was so angry with him and demanded to know why she wasn't safely home with us, helping keep us safe. He just, he very calmly told me that there were more important things for her to do than to sit huddled in a passage. I was so shocked by his reaction, but it certainly restored a sense of calm to my mind. Perhaps it was the first time that I realized that courage is contagious, just as fear is. And I had just experienced both, very, very in my face. And I I wasn't sure what I felt at the time. We You're going to hear a, a YouTube after one of the adverts on Courage is Contagious. It's a TED Talk by Damon Davis, and uh, it was... Um, Recorded in 2014, but it's just as relevant today. To fill you in a little bit about my mom, let me tell you that she did volunteer work for the TB Association called Santa. She and the Medical Officer of Health and a few black nurses from the Werenichan area used to go into Sharpville Township. Three times a week To the homes of the families of people Who were in the hospital with TB And to check that none of the other family members Had contracted it They used to deliver food parcels And she and the doctor Were at work in their offices in town When the nurses came through uh, With the news that a lot of people Had been shot in a non-violent protest rally By the police at Sharpville Station I will go on with that shortly, but now we're just going to listen to an advert and then the
0: TED Talk. So I'm afraid. Right now, on this stage, I feel fear. In my life, I ain't met many people that will readily admit when they are afraid. And I think that's because deep down, they know how easy it spreads. See, fear is like a disease. When it moves, it moves like wildfire. But what happens when, even in the face of that fear, you do what you got to do? That's called courage. And just like fear, courage is contagious. See, I'm from East St. Louis, Illinois. That's a small city across the Mississippi River from St. Louis, Missouri. I have lived in and around St. Louis my entire life. When Michael Brown Jr., an unarmed teenager, was gunned down by police in 2014, in Ferguson, Missouri, another suburb, but north of St. Louis, I remember thinking, he ain't the first, and he won't be the last young kid to lose his life to law enforcement. But see, his death was different. When Mike was killed, I remember the powers that be trying to use fear as a weapon. The police response to a community in mourning was to use force to impose fear. Fear militarized police, imprisonment, Fines. The media even tried to make us afraid of each other by the way they spun the story. And all of these things have worked in the past. But like I said, this time it was different. Michael Brown's death and a subsequent treatment of the community led to a string of protests in and around Ferguson and St. Louis. When I got out to those protests about the fourth or fifth day, it was not out of courage. It was out of guilt. See, I'm black. I don't know if y'all noticed that. Uh, But I couldn't sit in St. Louis, minutes away from Ferguson, and not go see. So I got off my ass and go check it out. When I got out there, I found something surprising. I found anger. Yeah, it was a lot of that. But what I found more of was love. People with love for themselves, love for their community. And it was beautiful telling police showed up. Then a new emotion was interjected into the conversation. Fear. Now, I'm not going to lie. When I saw those armored vehicles and all that gear and all those guns and all those police, I was terrified, personally. And when I looked around that crowd, I saw a lot of people that had the same thing going on. But I also saw people with something else inside of them. That was courage. See, those people yelled, and they screamed, and they were not about to back down from the police. They were past that point. And then I could feel something in me changing. So I yelled, and I screamed. Then I noticed that everybody around me was doing the same thing, and there was nothing like that feeling. So I decided I wanted to do something more. So I went on my thought. Say, I'm an artist. I make shit. So I started making things specific to the protest, things that would be weapons in a spiritual war, things that would give people voice, and things that would fortify them for the road ahead. I did a project where I took pictures of the hands of protesters and put them up and down the boarded up buildings and community shops. My goal was to raise awareness and to raise the morale, and I think for a minute, at least it did just that. Then I thought, I want to uplift the stories of these people I was watching being courageous in the moment. And myself and my friend and filmmaking partner Sabah Folian did just that with our documentary, Who Streets? I kind of became a conduit for all of this courage that was given to me. And uh, I think that's part of my job as artists. I think we should be conveyors of courage in the work that we do. And I think that we are the wall between the normal folks and the people that use their power to spread fear and hate, especially in times like these. Someone asked you, y'all the movers and the shakers, you know the thought leaders. What are you going to do with the gifts that you've been given to break us from the fear that binds us every day? Because, see, I'm afraid every day. I can't remember a time when I wasn't. But once I figured out the fear was not putting me to cripple me, it was there to protect me. And once I figured out how to use that fear, I found my power. Thank you. From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 IFF.
1: Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My my topic today is spread courage, not fear. You have just heard the YouTube by Damon Davis on TED Talk. Courage is contagious. And as I said, it was recorded in 2014, but it is just as relevant as it is now. All right, now going back to the story I was telling you, about my mom and the Sharpville Massacre. I had mentioned that my mom was a volunteer worker with, with Santon and, uh, uh sorry, with Santa, the TB Association in Verenigan, when the uh, Sharpville Massacre, uh, happened. And immediately my mom and the Medical Officer of health, health went up to the hospital to see if any of their families were amongst the injured or the dead. Later, much later, when she came home, she was shocked and incredibly angry at what she had witnessed. People were piled up on the floor. There was no bed space. And the next day, for years afterwards, the true number of people shot was misrepresented by the government, the press and the police. My mom told us a very different story. The township and the hospital were closed off to White's and never again, as long as she lived in Werenikin, was she allowed back into Sharpeville. The black nurses would go in and bring the families to the offices. My mom was only five feet tall, but she was a fearless giant when faced by any form of social injustice. And I truly thank her for this gift of this value that she taught us. It was only as I got older though that I must real, I, I did realize and appreciate her courage to do things her way. There is a story of a tiny little sparrow. all the birds and the animals in the world were rushing to and fro in terror, shouting, "The sky is falling down, the sky is falling down!" as they rushed past the little sparrow, they shouted, "Run!" The little sparrow was lying on his back with his spindly legs stuck straight up towards the sky. And he said, you run while I hold up the sky. Another advert. The best part of your day. At the heart of your community. All the talk. All the music. All the news. Ka-FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson. I'm back with you again on Finding Human and my topic is spread courage, not fear. Thank you. Now I've just told you about the little sparrow holding its legs into the air. And that reminds me of a story about another story about my mother which was quite an amusing one actually. When she was in her very late eighties, probably about eighty eight, a friend of mine is very involved in an outreach programme in Alexander Township. They had started a choir in a in, in a shack area uh, for homeless people and she asked if I would go with her one Sunday to hear them and to give them some encouragement. I said, certainly I would go, I would actually enjoy going and I mentioned it to my mum who immediately said she would love to come too. When we arrived, we had to park quite a far way down the road and we walked up to a very run down building with only half a roof, no doors or windows and no way in except climbing up some very steep stone like steps. It was freezing outside. My friend was introducing me to some people when I heard my mother's voice saying, sue, sue, That was very typical of how my mom would call me. Um, And I turned, and there she was, being lifted up by two very large black men, one with her handbag slung over his arm, with her waving goodbye to me and saying, I'll see you soon, as she was carried into this dark room. It was terribly funny. Her feet were lifted totally off the floor, the 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 floor, she took a size, a child size 13 shoe and these pretty shoes were gaily kicking back and forth as she was saying, see you, see you. And off she went. It had to be one of the funniest sights I have ever seen. And when I eventually joined her, she enthusiastically introduced me to the men who had helped her by saying, meet my Zulu warriors, Sue. They were saviors. Me, feeling white woman guilt, especially uh, white South African woman guilt, looked at her in horror, thinking she was being very politically incorrect. However, her two new friends shook my hand and told me how lucky I was to have such a wonderful mother. Well, as soon as they were out of earshot, I demanded to know how she knew that they were Zulu. And she told me that she'd asked them where they'd got their strength from. And they'd said from their ancestors. And she said, well, who are your ancestors? And they said, Zulu warriors. She loved that and often told that story. I have photos of my mom dancing down a pothilled road after the choir had sang to us, followed by the rest of us, all singing and chanting in absolute joy and unity there was such unison about it all and there she was still flanked by her warriors on either side of her who kept lifting her over potholes it was hilarious two days later she was in hospital with pneumonia and when my brother visited her he admonished her for dancing down the street in the cold she answered that it was totally worth it and she couldn't wait to go again. Lao Tzu said, Being deeply loved gives you strength, while loving someone deeply gives you courage. My mother had a love of people and until the day she died, even in dementia, when she thought she was the CEO of her retirement village, she still cared about her carers and all the people in her Alzheimer's unit. When she was in the frail care unit, she used to go to all the different nurses' uh, stations and check with them every morning and every evening. And she would go and say, everything all right here? Anything to complain about? Uh, Should I sort anything out? She really thought she was in charge of the world, but she certainly had a lot of courage. When she was still mentally alert, she often told me that her generation had to die out before there would ever be peace in South Africa. I wonder what she is thinking about South Africa now and about the world. She survived two husbands, her son and her siblings. And Viktor Frankl said, the choice to find meaning in suffering is one of our greatest opportunities. This requires courage, fortitude, and endurance. I have learnt and continue to learn about courage in my work from people living with the loss of a loved one, a spouse, a child, a sibling, a friend, people facing terminal illness or the loss of themselves from depression, and yet showing the rest of us how love and life still goes on my father facing his death with courage was amazing and again going back to that that um that quote uh, about finding the courage while loving someone deeply gives you courage he faced his death with such courage and what he was most worried about was what would happen to my mom after he died And I could really, I saw within him the courage that he must have had being in the Royal Air Force, being a squadron leader and a fighter pilot and having to go out every night on bombing raids. My brother taught me so much of in his life from a very, very young age. Um, He was very ill as a young boy. And, and was homeschooled for a long time. And when he eventually was allowed back to school, he actually was so determined that he became Victor Lodorum of his school for sport. And up to then he hadn't been allowed to play sport. It was, it was sheer determination. And then while he was waiting as he was a bit older for his heart that never came, he had the courage to live his life. And still use humor to make it easier for all of us. I've mentioned this before that Viktor Frankl said that humor is a weapon of the soul. And certainly my brother showed us all this and we all, my children included all had such laughs that because of what he would say and do. Each person who has been in my life, who has taught me about courage has in their own way shown me the truth that tears are healing, and that they do stop. If individually we face our own fears, each culture's ideas of courage may differ. For instance, the Japanese, the Sumerai warriors, the kamikaze pilots, the suicide pilots of the Second World War, who attacked the Allied warships in the Pacific Ocean, to them that was the utmost courage. We are shocked by that, and we see it as pure suicide. Do you know that for a long time at the beginning of this year, I had to use Uber drivers because of an injury? And, you know, each driver told me a story of perseverance and courage, unbelievable courage. And sometimes they, too, would have tears in their eyes or falling down their faces. But Viktor Frankl also said, there's no need to be ashamed of tears, for tears bore witness that a man had the greatest courage, the courage to suffer. Elie Wiesel, the Holocaust survivor, said, the opposite of life is not death, it is indifference. Um, Craig is showing me some messages that have come through One says love your program Thank you so much for that And then another says The story of your mom's being carried off By two Zulu warrior heroes Is hilarious and totally delightful I can just imagine the scene She was a very special woman A great privilege to have known her Thank you so much for that message. I actually can't even uh, see who it's from, but someone who does know my mom. So thank you so much for that. Um, You know, there's an amazing story. But first of all, I, I need to actually say that my story, that what I'm talking about today, about spread courage, not Fear Is our world needs people Who are not giving into the fear That is dividing us Please share your stories You might not think they're worth it But quite honestly the rest of us Will learn something from it And certainly our children And our grandchildren so need to hear Positive stories Who are you? We each have something special That is unique to us, and i 'm looking for um, a story about um, uh, the, a donkey. This poor old donkey was put out to pasture he had given his life to his work, and he had been so loyal that the, the farmer decided to put him in a field to to go through the rest of his life in, in peace and, and harmony. Anyway, this poor donkey fell into a deep unused well And the farmer heard this donkey braying in absolute terror and agony And he rushed over to the well and he looked in And he he saw the donkey at the bottom braying helplessly And he didn't know what to do So he went and he called his friends And uh, the, the neighboring farmers who all came over And they too looked into the well And they saw this this uh, donkey and they said to each other, there's nothing we can do about him. We better put him out of his misery and we'll cover him with soil. Well, the donkey heard this and could not believe what he was hearing. Here he had given his life to this farmer and worked so hard and they were going to bury him. Anyway, they, each the, each of the farmers picked up a spade And they started throwing shovelfuls of dirt On top of this donkey As each shovelful hit the donkey's back The donkey brayed in agony But he shook it off And the next one hit him And he shook it off And he stepped up And he shook it off And he stepped up And so it went on And eventually This sods of soil that were being put on top of him Grew into a mound of earth And eventually the mound grew so high That it was enough for him to step out of the well And to happily trot off Now, the moral of the story is That life is going to shovel dirt on us All kinds of dirt And how are we going to shake it off And step it up Shake it off and step up It's up to each of us And we all do it in our own way I have found lately That we are so busy trying to be politically correct That we forget to simply recognize the humanness in each other To recognize the fear that is within us certainly And that does divide us but let's also begin to recognise the courage in each of us. It is so important. Um, you know, there was a, a, a British Muslim lawyer, Nazir Afzal, who had a, a who was awarded the OBE, the Order of the British Empire. He is a champion of women's groups fighting honour-based violence and forced marriage. And the radicalization of young Muslims. When a radical youth detonated a bomb in the Manchester, uh, in Manchester at a concert, he refused to remain silent, even though the crime and the police commissioners had advised him to. He had had many death threats before, but he said that he felt compelled to talk out. And I think that must have taken unbelievable courage because his family had also been threatened. But he said, if I hadn't said anything, I think there was a gap that wasn't being filled. He felt he had to say something reassuring because those who hate want to divide. That is their reason For life, he said, and that's what they are about. And I must admit, I have to agree with him. I see there's another. Is there another? uh, No? Okay, I just saw that for a moment. Now, just to go on about other people who have um, been unbelievable role uh, models of courage and fear to me. My one was my husband's Uncle Joe. A very amusing man. He had no children and was particularly close to, to our family. Uh, and he lived in, in Durban in a retirement home eventually. And he used, we, we, every time we were down there, we would visit him and he used to come up for Yontiffs. Um, and when we would visit him, he'd be surrounded by a circle of people and he would be making them laugh. He was terribly funny. And one of the things he actually said to me one day is uh, when I asked him how he, he was, he was by that stage uh, 90-something, he said, I'm in the queue, but I'm not pushing And I love that because as I get older, I hope I'm going to be able to say that also, that I'm in the queue, but I'm not pushing. In other words, life is still worth living. Then my aunt Sybil, my mom's sister, she also had no children at all, but was particularly admired and adored by all of her nieces and nephews she got cancer in uh, later on in her life and she lived in the Howick area and she was she had started a whole lot of um, women's groups uh, women's forum mixed forums and which was quite unusual at that at that particular time um, in our history But that's what she had done, and she had to have chemotherapy, and after her second chemotherapy, she begged me to remind her to never have any more therapy. That even if she said to me, I'm going to go for it, I had to tell her what she had been through, and that she had asked me to remind her never to have it again. Well, one day she phoned me and she said, I've decided I'm going to have more therapy. that cancer has spread again. And I said to her, you know, Auntie Sybil, I don't want to put you off, but uh, you asked me to, you made me promise to tell you that um, how you felt about chemo and, and what it had done to you. So I'm just fulfilling my promise now, but it's obviously it's up to you and we'll support you in whatever decision you make. Well, she said, No, she had to, write at this particular period, go on. AIDS was devastating, that whole region, uh, the Midlands region. And she was working with a lot of women um, who were in the AIDS field, uh, working towards uh, going out into the field and in her women's forum as well. And she said, there's no time for me to die right now. I've got work to do. And her favorite saying was, this too. Shall pass. And she, I have said that so often and I've said it to myself in my own life. This too shall pass, which was just beautiful. Then I'd like to just tell you, read to you a poem from Judy. Now Judy and Les are very good friends of mine and I know they're listening. They've in them. Um, Les sent me the, the quote from Nelson Mandela. Judy has sent me this poem. Jude, I found it today in the junk section of my computer, I ask you, of emails. And it popped out this morning just before I was leaving to come here. And it says, a poem from Pooh to Piglet. Animal so shy and small, dreaming you were bold and tall, you hesitate All sensitive, waiting for a chance to live Time is swift, it races by Opportunities are born and die Still you wait and will not try A bird with wings who dares not rise and fly But that you, you want to be Is not you and will never be No one else will ever do The special things that wait inside of you. You can be a guiding star if you make the most of who you are. And the sensitivity that you are now ashamed to see can be developed even more so you can find the key to hidden doors to places no one's been before. And the pride you'll feel inside is not the kind that makes you fall. No, it's the kind of pride that recognizes the bigness found in being small. We are now going to advert.
0: Stay
1: relevant and up to date. This is 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human and my topic is Spread Courage, Not Fear. Um I have received so many poems and things from different people that I'm going to go on with uh, Pooh the Piglet quickly. The going back to Pooh the Piglet poem, uh, uh this poem it goes on to say, this is from Sophia Bustamante, who wrote a little thing at the bottom, who said that this poem had touched her life in 1993 when she had read it. And she said it has a profound message. In Benjamin Hoff's words, she said that being special, there is something special in each of us that we need to keep. And that courage is loud, bold and boisterous but it is also silent, shaky, and hypersensitive. We must make sure that we recognize and own our core gifts that we are born with. This must be prioritized in our life. This poem, the poem from Pooh the Piglet, you can pick it up yourselves, this poem also describes a courage that often comes disguised by shaky knees and a lot of dithering. When you are wondering whether to make a brave move, absorb the wise words of Pooh and let your spirit be moved. I think that is beautiful because it is so true. How often do we have our knees shaking? There is a wonderful uh, uh, saying, and I don't even know who it's, it is, but if any of you do, please let me know on um, SMS three four five one nine, or on on oh um, six two one four eight two three seven four. This says I am not interested in whether you have stood with the great. I am interested in whether you have sat with the broken. That, I think, is so true. And how many of us do think that we actually do nothing in our lives when in actual fact we need to stop being so critical of ourselves and realize that we do often sit ourselves being broken or sit with the broken and we find strength. Uh, We are going to end with a song. By, written by Dan Heyman, it's called "Weeping." It is an anti-apartheid protest song, and he wrote it in the mid nineteen eighties and first recorded it uh, in South Africa. Um, it was often it was uh, often came often Kozisikileli, and it was uh, banned in South Africa. And it goes like this: "I knew a man who lived in fear. It was huge. It was angry." It was drawing near behind his house. A secret place was the shadow of the demon he could never face. He built a wall of steel and flame and men with guns to keep it tame. Then standing back, he made it plain that the nightmare would never, ever rise again. But the fear and the fire and the guns remain. It doesn't matter now. It's over, anyhow. He tells the world that it's sleeping. But as the night came round, I heard its lonely sound. It wasn't roaring. It was weeping. And then one day the neighbors came. They were curious to know about the smoke and flame. They stood around outside the wall. But of course there was nothing to be heard at all. My friends, he said, We've reached our goal. The threat is under firm control. As long as peace and order reign, I'll be damned if I can see a reason to explain why the fear and the fire and the guns remain. I wish you all courage and strength as you go on just living your lives and teaching other people. Thank you.
0: A frequency like no other. 101.9 FM.
1: Hello, this is Sue Jackson. I know I said uh, goodbye just now. This is me on Finding Human. And I just wanted to tell you, because in case any of you would like the song to know about the song, that was by Busi Mahala Sela and, and the Sweater String Quartet. And then there are a few more messages, Judy and Liz in Australia. What would I do without you? Oh, what a perfect song. Thanks for another marvelous program, Sue. And thank you, dear friends. And then another one that says the, inv- uh, the invitation by Araya Mountain Dreamer regards Samantha. Absolutely, Samantha. I love that, the invitation. Beautiful. Thank you so much and goodbye.